Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, counterterrorism professional turned career and business coach. And I am here for those moments when you look in the mirror and you realize it's time to make some sort of radical change or U-turn in your life so that you can stop operating on cruise control and start living your life on purpose. So join me here on the U-turn podcast every single week where you're going to be hearing from inspiring, insightful guests, be it CEOs, spiritual leaders, love experts, or of course, yours truly, so that you can become your very best self without having to take life so seriously. And don't forget, if you head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com, that's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com, you're going to get access to show notes, which have books and resources mentioned by our guests, as well as access to one of my four free e-courses over at U-TurnPodcast.com. Whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch that dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. Okay, enough about me. Let's get this party started with this week's guest. This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing, ghostwriting, publicity, and copywriting house there to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Everybody, it's Ashley Stahl here, your lovely host, and I am here with a friend and an inspiration, Evan Marquette. He is a dating coach for strong, successful women, and he is here to really help you up-level who you are when it comes to your relationships, being more intentional and getting more clear on when you should stay, when you should go, and how to confidently take action, whichever is best for you. Um, Evan, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's delightful. And what a beautiful, heavenly apartment that we're recording this in. <laughs> I invited Evan over to my place to do this, so it's extra fun versus on Skype. So she got the fur chair yeah I got the fairy chair um, so talk to me what do you what, what, did, what do you think got you into this in the first place um, I, think I, I, I would I'm almost inclined to, to redirect that question to you right how, how did you know say it, it, it's, it's the same question for most people who give advice usually you were seeking for some, you were seeking something it was hard you learned something along the way and then you reverse engineer what you learned to try to share it with other people yeah and so i was you know i was a kid who always wanted to be like my dad my parents were married for 30 years and um, uh, dating was was rough I mean, it's rough for everybody but it was definitely rough for me in my 20s in los angeles where i you know i was in hollywood and i had no money and a lot of trial and error in the beginning of online dating and prolific online dating mm. and um uh, after I crapped out of Hollywood, which is a, another interesting separate story, I had to figure out something else to do. And I got a job while I was in film school. I was going to be a professor and teach screenwriting. I was at UCLA. I got a job answering phones at JDate in mm-hmm. Beverly Hills. And after nine months of answering phones for other people so cool. in customer service, getting yelled at by strangers, I, I was like, oh my God, I got to write a book about this because I was a writer. I just, you know, so I, I, there are people who are like psychologists who write books. I'm a writer who just happens to write about dating and relationships. Mm-hmm. And that was 2003. And uh, a book about online dating did well. And then suddenly, you know, Time Magazine and CNN. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll drop out of film school. And I guess the, I got a little talent you know, here. I'll be the dating yeah. guy and I'll see where that goes. And 15 years later, you know, I've written, you know, four more books and created a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, when I started, I certainly was nothing resembling an expert. I mean, my first interview on TV, she was like, 
who the hell are you? I was Kira Phillips on CNN. Been there. Who the hell are you to give anybody advice? And I was like, I am not here to tell you how to have a happy relationship, but I could tell you how to get get a date online like nobody's business. Yeah. Um, but years and years later, I, I by reading, coaching, studying, I used the advice I was giving to other people, applied it to myself, have been now married for 10 years, and looking back, I was like, it's really interesting to see your, your evolution and uh, how one can, can grow and evolve uh, and get better at their job and, and change their mind on certain things. So um, I, I feel like as a 45-year-old married guy, it's very different than being a 31-year-old single guy giving advice. Yeah. Um, but I, I... Equally beneficial. Different. Yeah. Different. Um, I, I, I think when you're when you're playing out of your depth, I don't pretend to be a, a psychologist. If you've had childhood trauma, I'm not your guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you are struggling as a smart, strong, successful woman with dating and choosing a compatible man, I could help you find that guy. Yeah, I, I have no doubt. And uh, those of you who don't know, I found Evan because I remember asking him to be on this podcast because at one point or another, at three in the morning in a bout of anxiety, I found one of his blog posts. He's had up to 10 million unique views on his blog in a given year. So the guy obviously knows what he's talking about here. Or he just writes a lot. Or he just writes a lot and you just can't help but avoid him. Exactly. You Google Google anything, you'll end up on my website. (laughs) That's good. You're everywhere. Good marketing. Um, I'm curious to ask you, like, I I think I read somewhere it's one out of five women are are finding the one on the Internet. Is that true? Um, I've heard it's actually one-third of women, um, and about half of those are from uh, conventional online dating. The others, there's Instagram and Facebook, and there's other, you know, social social ways. But conventional online dating sites account for probably about 20%. Wow, that's incredible. Um, Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's ubiquitous. My first book was called I Can't Believe I'm Buying This Book because it was embarrassing. I mean, yeah. That was, the, that was the, the joke is, you know, no one could believe they were doing this. Yeah. Uh, it used to be, you know, old magazine personals. And uh, now it's gone to the other end of the spectrum now. Now it's all, all apps where they've removed profiles, they've removed email, and it's cute picture, swipe right, text, meet. Mm-hmm. So they've removed all the friction from it, but yeah. I think made the process kind of worse. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my, my grandma, she put herself in a newspaper ad and found her partner in life there years ago so yep. it's this, I guess it's just a modern take on it it's uh, <laughs> it, it makes it makes sense from a technological standpoint of where we're at yeah. if everybody has a computer everybody has has a phone um, it's too easy not to but there's a there's in general there's a problem when it comes when there's instant gratification yeah uh, in anything in life if you get instant gratification you're not going to appreciate what you have yeah um, and so I, I think there's there's value to some level of old school courtship that has to be kind of glossed and, and modernized mm-hmm. for you know millennials. I think there's a way to do it yeah. that doesn't have to ruin your fun, mm-hmm. but and I did a TED talk about this, yes. and, and the, the, the truth is if you swipe right on 10 guys and you're texting 10 guys at the same time and he's doing the same thing, everybody's disposable. Yes. Right. Contrast it to a feeling that most of us still have from time to time. You meet someone in real life, you have a great conversation, you exchange phone numbers. Like, you're really excited about that. Yes. That's a completely different category than mm-hmm. I've got a harem of men mm-hmm. <laughs> on my phone mm-hmm. that I could I could you know pick and choose at any given time, and I don't I don't feel obliged to write back to any of them. And I yeah. can let them wait for a week, and then be oh sorry I got busy last week. It's like what? When you treat everybody as disposable, yeah. they are disposable, and it changes 
it changes the interaction yeah. as, as, as opposed to we made a connection. Let's see where the connection leads. You know, it's so funny, Evan. I'm, I just can't help but laugh. I haven't m managed to tell you this, but funny enough, the first time I ever tried dating online because I was in a long relationship, I called off my wedding. I remember having my first stab at online dating and I got my first match. And I was, and I thought there was like a big meaning to it. I'm like, wow, we matched, and I was so excited. I thought the algorithm has like sure. climbed a mountain to find my match. And so I remember inboxing the person. He never wrote back, and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be a rough road. And I've taken a bit of a break since then. But um, one thing we kind of talked about was men versus women and communication. Mm -hmm. So I think this can translate both in dating, also just in day to day life. What would you say are the fundamental differences that you could take with you in your career when you're talking to men and you could take with you in your relationship? Oh gosh, there's, there's a lot. It's a huge can of worms yeah. that you've just opened. Um, yeah, and I got more places to take you. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. when it comes to online dating, because we were just there, yeah. so we'll close that loop. Um, uh, men look for speed in general, and women uh, are more likely to look for comfort uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, a, man, a man just wants to meet you in person, see if there's chemistry, see if he could hook up as quickly as you can with the minimal of time and energy and friction and money. Where women have to worry about their safety. Yeah. I don't want to just go out with a stranger who said, what's up, let's yeah. meet, come to my house. You know, beware of yeah. that. So men are don't want to put in much energy and women have to deal with the consequences of men who, if they figure if they do this to enough women, eventually someone says yes. It's yeah. like sort of a lowest common denominator approach. Yes. And so expecting that not to be true, right? I'm not saying it's good or bad or otherwise. In fact, I generally think it's bad that men move so fast. Yeah. Women have to uh, understand that, that a, a guy is going to want to move at lightning speed, and your job is to actually slow him down mm. and make it fun for him to slow down. Mm. And there's something magical about that. But then there's also a lot of the casual dating where it's like, you know, they want to take it really slow, or is that just the non-committed, non-interested guy? These, these things all speak for themselves. Yeah. I, in my Love You course, I've got like a, a relationship timeline. Here, yes. Here's what you should expect. Here's, yeah. here's what's healthy. And in general, there's two ways that guys choose a girlfriend, and I think most of us have experienced it. Um, it's the instant thing. Oh my God, we went on a first date. There's such chemistry. Let's just dive in, and you have a boyfriend that you may have met twice, but he's now your boyfriend. Yeah. It's not necessarily smart, but people do it all the time. Yeah. The other way that I think is a little healthier is kicking the tires for four to six weeks. Uh huh. Not five months. Mm -hmm. But but. <laughs> I kicked the tire for five months. Evan was just pointing that one out. <laughs> it, it didn't. That was just for you. Um. So so, the organic. You know you. If you're not positive that someone is the one, and again, yeah. you shouldn't be. That's yeah. just chemistry and lust. Um, if you're not positive, what you do is date someone. You call them, you know, text them every once in a while, call them every few days, see them once or twice a week. Now, you're not going to dive into a relationship if you're not sure, but in the process of what men do, is, which is pursuing sex, yeah. in the process of pursuing sex, men realize, oh, she's really cool too. Okay. I like her. What about I'm, that? I'm not just trying to get laid. I, oh, I actually like her too. And then something switches in his head, and then he starts to consider you as girlfriend potential. And he usually wants to claim you so no one else could have you sometime in around the one-month mark. Okay. Pretty reliably and predictably, predictably. If a guy's not doing that, if you're the once-a-week text girl, three months in, he doesn't want to be your boyfriend. He already would have been if yes. he wanted to be your boyfriend. So. The healthy thing for women to do is kick guys to the curb six to eight weeks in if, hey, it's been really fun getting to know you, you're a great guy, 
Uh, but I'm looking for a serious relationship, and evidently, you know, this isn't it. So take care, good luck. Yeah. Um, cutting those those guys off instead of sleeping with men and continuing the folly of being dating. Yeah. It's not dating if you're texting a guy once or twice a week. That's not dating. Dating is him making you a priority to see you, and it it has to escalate. It may start off once a week, but it's got to go go up. Yeah. And if it's not, it's stagnating. Yeah. And, you know, um, a lot of friends, you know, they talk about finding the right person. And I know that there's not necessarily one right person. There's many right people. At least that's what I think. But what I constantly hear from them is, or what I'm telling them is, it's not about finding the right person. I think it's about just saying no to the wrong ones so that you have space for yes. the right ones. And I just can't even imagine what so many friends' lives would look like if they just cut the string and stood in their empowerment. So I guess this kind of brings me to another question which is outside of the timeline. Let's say you're with somebody, uh, you're in a relationship with them. How do you know when you should stay and when you should go? How do you connect to yourself and figure out what's best for you? Um, there are so many things that motivate people subconsciously. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I did some video on you know, six reasons women stay in the wrong relationships for too long or something to that effect. and. There's sunk costs, and there's fear of being alone, and then there's the relationship that's good, but that's that, that's not great. Um, there's treating him like he's the last guy on earth, and that you can't do better. So th there's all these irrational things that run through our mind, um, but they're all based in the same place. If you're in a relationship that is not making you happy, and it's producing a level of anxiety, you have to ask yourself, what's the point of preserving the relationship? Yeah. And I can't tell you how many women, I, I, I have one client that I think of in particular, she was with her boyfriend for seven years, Oof. from 34 to 41, waiting for a wedding ring, waiting for a, a, a proposal so they can get married and start a family. And she squandered that entire time on a guy who wasn't even a good boyfriend, who didn't even leave, live in the same city, who was critical and difficult and made her feel bad mm -hmm. and all she could turn to me her dating coach was how could I get him to propose to me I oh, said alright wow. so, so you get your proposal you're happy yeah and she, she it almost like it never even occurred to her it was like she was just so laser focused on achieving the goal yeah if I love him and if I get him to marry me I'll be happy but you're not actually happy in the relationship yeah the relationship is producing anxiety yes so to me, it, it becomes very simple. I've got a, the web, webinar for my, my yep. Love You course, really, it, it talks about the same concept, is uh, the way you know you're in a bad relationship, the way is that it makes you unhappy. It sounds stupid. Yeah, but it's common sense. Yes. If you're not happy, and you could, you could, you could like, uh, a friend of mine created something called the Boyfriend Log. It's a little app you could download on your phone. You color code, you know, uh, here's how I feel about my boyfriend today you know, red, yellow, green. And if you look at your, your relationship on your phone, you have 30, 30 days and 27 of them are red. Maybe this, boy, stop sign right maybe, there. maybe this boyfriend isn't exactly what you thought he yeah. would be. So we just have to get in touch with our hearts because I could give you a whole bunch of cerebral things to determine chemistry and compatibility and give you cool metaphors and paradigms to look at it through. But it comes down to something that is, I hate the, the concept, heart-centered. Yeah. Does this guy make me happy? Or does he produce anxiety? Mm -hmm. Am I walking on eggshells? Am I afraid to speak my, my mind? Do I always get the sense he's going to leave? If we have a disagreement, do I feel like it's just going to de derail the whole thing? Because mm -hmm. unconditional love is easy.
Yes. And that's the thing that most people don't understand because yeah. they haven't experienced it. Yeah. So the, it's a it's a real paradigm shift from relationships take work. So they can be great. To to yes, think about your relationship with your best girlfriend or yes. your mom or your sister. Like, what is the easiest relationship where you let down your guard? You don't have to worry about what you say. And no matter how much you guys go out at, at a given time, you, immediately you get back to where you were. That's what marriage should look like. And people marry people who are wrong for them, and then they come up with after the fact relationships take work. Well, yeah, the wrong relationship yes. takes a lot of work. And people are very committed to work. I think that there's a belief system there that it should be work, mm -hmm. and it comes through society. I mean, how many times do we hear relationships take work? Yes. Love is hard. And yes, it takes effort, but yes. it, I don't know if it necessarily That's, that's the right work. Yeah. When people push back against this concept, they're like, are you saying this relationships are it's like, No, it's, it's a garden. You have to water the garden. Yes. Right. You have to put an effort, and we could you, you do job stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, no job is going to be perfect, but hopefully it's you know 80% fun and 20% yeah. drudgery. If exactly. that if that balance tips too far on the other end, you might not. This might not be a good long-term fit for you. Yeah. And it's not an attack on the job or you. It's just let's just call the spade spade. Yeah. So I, I really believe in the concept of the easy relationship, and when you have two people who are equally committed to the relationship and just it's a, just becomes a positive feedback loop. It's not hard to sustain. Yes. Um, it's when one person uh, feels that they're the, the giver and, and the other per person's the taker. Yes. Because I work with women, I hear that all the time. And I just tell women, you gotta, you gotta marry a giver. Yeah. You, you need two givers in a relationship. If you have one taker, it's broken. Yeah. And, and I would also just venture to ask you, I mean, let's say there is a, a phase in a relationship where they're under some sort of stress. So maybe that you have a nice relationship, but you're just going through something. How do you connect to yourself to be able to kind of look at, okay, are these red flags? Is this the wrong person for me? Or are we just in a phase that we need to work through? I, I like to think of it, 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 I like to look at it through a pretty rational lens rather than an emotional lens because emotions could kind of cloud our reason. Yeah. There's a, we're looking for the difference between circumstances and character, right? There's, um, you know, we're, we're, we both do internet marketing in, of, of, of some degree. Uh, once in a while, I'll have a product launch. That's gonna, that's a, that's a devil of a time. And I might, you know, there might be, you know, a month where I'm working, you know, late instead of getting out at 5:30 to play with my kids. Yeah. Right. I don't love that. It's not what I'm committed to. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I really value work-life balance. I would rather be a good husband and father than be the world's richest man. So um, for that, for those few weeks when I'm out of commission, I don't get to see my wife and kids as much. I don't like it, but everybody understands that it's circumstantial. Yes. It's very different than the guy who says, honey, I'm running this you know, big multinational corporation. And the demands of my work are that I have to work 60 hours a week and travel 20 weeks a year. And, um, you know, I'll take him on vacation once a year, but that's, that's pretty much all I got. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy, but he's not a great partner. Yeah. People overestimate uh, how, much they're, how much happiness they're going to get when they marry a guy who appears to be a catch, when in fact the best predictors of a happy relationship, get yeah, ready for this. Yeah, I'm so into this. Whether he's sensitive to your emotional cues. Okay. And whether he helps out with housework and childbearing. Hmm. Nobody's ever gone. How into do you know if they're going to do that? Because they're number one sensitive to your emotional cues. They're 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 kind of intertwined. But my point is, no one has ever gone on Tinder and looked for a guy's profile who says sensitive to your emotional cues, helps out with housework and child rearing. Yeah. You're looking for tall, 
hot, smart, rich, funny, something All like things. whatever you can ascertain uh, from profile or from a first date. Yeah, is virtually there's virtually no indicator that that makes a man a good husband. So we distinguish between what is attractive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right, here's what I'm attracted to, and what is important. And important is how he treats you. Attractive is just what gets, gets you in the door. This is a really wonderful distinction, attractive versus important. Yes. So we're, we're not saying that attractive things aren't important. If you don't have attraction, there's, not a, there's, there's no relationship. If you don't have a good sex life, there's no relationship. Yeah. At the same time, attraction has so little to do with whether you're going to be happy for 40 years. What does? Is he sensitive to your emotional cues? Does he help out with housework and child rearing? Or do you feel like, oh, I've got a, I've got a husband who kind of just goes his own way, and he makes his money, he turns on TV when he gets home, and he doesn't want to listen to what I have to say, and he doesn't want to help out, he doesn't want to compromise. Wow. And, so and, many people yeah, are really women, mar women marry men because they're attracted to the, what he represents. And I just had a potential client on the phone the other day. Uh, hopefully she's not listening to this. Ha uh, <laughs> ha. She's mid-30s, uh, doctor, Japanese, and she was asking me about compatibility. Yes. And she was saying something to the, the effect of, so, you know, uh, you know, I think compatibility is finding someone who's, you know, uh, around your age and a you know, similar background, um, you know, also educated. I was like, that is, that is zero to do with compatibility. What is that? What is, what is that? Just like a, a list? like you. Th th those are things that you have in common. Features. What you have in common has nothing to do with compatibility. Compatibility is how you work as a couple. Compatibility, we could look at it on, on, on a number of metrics. We could talk about the five love languages. We could talk about masculine or feminine energy. We could talk about whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or how you spend money or uh, how, whether you have kids and how you raise kids. Or Those are the things that determine whether couples make it. Yeah. But there's no indication that if I, if I, you know, you hand me a uh, another 45-year-old Jewish atheist East Coast liberal, that we're going to be a better couple than me and my wife, yeah. who's none of those. Yeah. Right. But those are just those are just things that we have in common. But compatibility is really how how well does the machine work? Yeah. Right. Not how does it look? Are they mirror images of each other? So people try to marry their clones. What they really need to do is marry their compliments, mm. that's, and that's hard. And you, you know, you've written uh, one of the blog posts that I did find on you that I loved was around chemistry versus compatibility. So, what can you say for women, whether they're in a relationship or they're dating, about how to d discern between chem? Are, do we just have a lot of chemistry, or are we actually compatible? You mean? Ha! <laughs> ah. Oh God. So, um, chemistry is, think about it, is brain chemistry. It's norepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine, pheromones coursing through your brain. Lights up the same pleasure centers of your brain as coke or meth, right? So, so when, those of us who are really addicted to something, so we are like was, coked so, out on So them. when someone is saying, I'm in love, they use that. They're on coke. Ah. High highs, low lows. Oh my God, he called. I can't stop thinking about him. He didn't text me for three hours. I'm going to kill myself. Oh God. That's the roller coaster yeah. of what people call love. It's not really love. That's what people call love. It's essentially uh, lust individualized yeah. to one person. We generally call it the attraction phase. But attraction doesn't account for what happens in 40 years. That's attachment. Mm. Right? And so we, what gets us into a relationship, again, is not what sustains the relationship. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to understand those two and separate those two. Again, it's not that attraction doesn't matter. It's that two people who are attracted to each other do not necessarily have a better relationship than people who are slightly less attracted to each other, but get along a million times better. Yeah. And in fact, they might even have a converse 
relationship. Um, think about the person, and it's a challenge to anybody who's listening. Yeah. Think about the person on the planet in your 30 years that you are the most attraction to. Mm-hmm. How that relationship end? Ah, in flames. Don't know a single person who has a different answer to that question. No way. I don't okay, know. well, you have coached a lot of women. So I don't, I'm about I, to take that. Well, I understand. It's a self. It's a question that answers itself. Yeah. You don't turn to a dating coach if you're happily married. Yeah. Right. So, Confounding variables. So to, to be fair. Yeah. At the same time, I think we've all had the experience of being, you know, uh, physically intoxicated by someone else who didn't reciprocate the interest or see, did had a flaming hot affair that burned out really, really quickly got into the relationship because it felt so right and then realized, oh my God, this is broken, but you stayed for two years anyway because it, it felt so good at a certain time that you held on. Chemistry is not a predictor of your future. Mm. Chemistry is just the predictor of chemistry. And so when I was telling you... Sure fun, though. Chemistry feels no, so good. No one's arguing. And I'm sure heroin's great, too. Gotta fall in love with that cocoa. <laughs> right? So, so I, told, I told the client yesterday, okay. she, you know, because she she's caught up in that, the societal myth that yeah. it's, all about, it's all about chemistry. And A, I pointed out to her that her, none of her chemistry experience have worked in 36 years. Yeah. Um, and furthermore, um, chemistry wears off. Yeah. Right? Um, it's it's habituation. So you buy a new car, you're really excited about your new car, you look at your new driveway, you take the top down, you really have a great time driving it, uh, and it's really exciting. And then eventually it's just the place, thing that gets you from point A to point B. Mm. And that goes for new houses and new jobs and new shoes and new everything. It's habituation. Beginning it's exciting, then we get used to it. Yeah. Relationships are the same way. So a nine out of 10 in chemistry might be really seductive, right? But eventually that nine, Sinks down to a six or a seven. Yeah, you, you see the food oh. in their teeth. In ten years, they get a little stomach flu. Something. Yeah, like you, not, get, you get down to reality, and <laughs> you better have a ten compatibility. Yes. So my formula, if there's a formula, seven compat, seven chemistry, ten compatibility is a really, really nice life. But if you chase ten, ten chemistry, because you won't settle, get used to a lot of three compatibility, a lot of passion and a lot of friction. Oh God. Sounds so exhausting. Sounds like an illness. But people are people are addicted to it, and they yeah. think they, they think that somewhere out there, if they try hard enough, they're going to find the ten chemistry and the ten compatibility. And I have yet to see that. That is so helpful to hear. I also am curious on your side. What are some fundamental red flags that anybody's listening in their relationship, in their dating life? Maybe they're just casually dating. Whatever it is, to just kind of pay attention to, because I think a lot of us talk ourselves out of our red flags. And it's like we negotiate with our non-negotiables. I'm guessing there's some universal truths that you've accessed here. Uh, yeah, the shorthand on that, right? The, the real shorthand is your gut. Right? Okay. Again, it's not a, it's not a sexy I thing. I love that. I love that. Right, the real shorthand is how do I feel? Yes. Do I feel like, do I feel relaxed? Do I feel safe? Do I feel heard and understood? Do I feel like I could build the foundation of my entire life on this man? Yeah. I'm talking to women. Can, can I do that? Because if you can't, what what is the point of spending one more day with a guy where you feel like you got to check his phone? Yeah. Right. That like That's so you either have full trust or no trust, and if you can't realize this is your everything. Yeah. Right. If you're doing it right. Yeah. Your marriage is your everything. Right. It is the foundation of your life. Right. That has to be solid as a rock. Yeah. So attractive, tall, dark, handsome, funny, brilliant, creative 
charismatic, oh, okay. whatever. Yeah. We know what we what we're attracted to. And again, that's great. No one's saying those are bad qualities. I'm just saying they were limited. Yes. Communication, consistency, kindness, character, commitment. Those are the non-negotiables. Okay. And what about when? And so I could give you right top chef, supermodel, yeah. road scholar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ballroom dancer, tantric sex god. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to get mad. I have friends that are all of those. I have right. a tantric sex expert friend. I'll bet you do. I have a supermodel client for Victoria's Secret, and they're they're all definitely um, not the tantric expert, but the supermodel's complete identity crisis. So not all things are what they seem. But the the greater point is you could get them all in one package, yeah. and that man or woman, I don't want to commit. Yes. Well, the whole deal's off. Sounds um, right. <laughs> everything in one package, not an honest person. Yeah. Everything in one package not really selfless or giving or interested in compromise, want to do everything the right. So you can get everything on your wish Except list and still be, really and still be mis- miserable. Yes. And, and you know what's so interesting with that is when something ends over that one thing, people are usually so much good. It was so right, right. Yes. And even in my own life, I'm looking at my circumstances and I'm listening to you and it's like, yeah, but saying like, this guy was amazing, except when he had his little anger problem every few weeks. Yes. It's like, well, what you're really saying... He's great except he's a wife beater. Yes. He's great except he steals money. He's great except or, he has a coke habit. He's, he's, or it could be even more nuanced. He's great except for he's mean to his mom, and, and it kind of shows up with me. Well, that's, well, again, and that's when we get into things that, that become negotiable. I'm not going to yes. say what's good or bad, but the, the real question is not whether I like it, because you're not going to like anything about it. And like everything about your partner. If you have a criticism of your partner, it's probably a valid criticism. Anything my wife could say about me, completely valid criticism. For her, the good far outweighs the bad, so it's not the criticism of whatever is wrong with me is, is, is untrue. It's, I'm willing to deal with this. And, and I, I think we think that relationships are exceptional. Yeah. We think they should be perfect, but we make compromises for our work. We make compromises where we live. I don't know a single person who doesn't have to make a compromise for work. I, I work alone. I'm a people person. That's a compromise, right? Yeah. Some people have to do I've got a buddy who's got a long commute. He drives down to Torrance. That's a compromise. He's really well compensated for it. I know people who have glass ceilings. I know people that, that aren't as creative as they like. I know people who, who don't necessarily like their boss, but there's, they like the rest of their coworkers. So we make compromises all the time yeah. for things. We think this is the one place we shouldn't compromise. Mm-hmm. And when we do compromise, we're compromising on the wrong things. Mm. We won't compromise on him being 5'9 versus 5'10, but we will compromise on him being nice. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that so true? So we like, te- at least he's hot, but yeah. it's a little bit rude. So we tend to compromise <laughs> on the wrong qualities, where if yeah. we learn to compromise on the right qualities, yes. which is yes. the things that people think are compatible. Height, weight, age, education, income, right? Yeah. Those, those are the things you do compromise on. Yeah. Right? You don't compromise on consistency, kindness, communication, character, commitment. Yeah. And that is a, that is a shift because we're so driven by attraction that it, it tends to blur our thinking to yes. what's really, really important in the long run. So, I don't know. We can make metaphors all day long, but it's you know it's the, the gorgeous car that stalls out on the freeway. Who cares how nice it looks yes. if it only works 75% of the time that you're driving it? Yeah, because it's a real bummer when it's not moving. Yes. You know, I have a question about that, too, is... Listening to yourself. So you, you talked about your guts and your instincts, and I think that sometimes one of the biggest, you know, especially in my private practice, it's like people struggle between when is it fear and it's your own work you need to do on yourself, and when is it instinct where it's really a friendly whisper helping you make decisions for yourself. How do you work with that? 
That's a, that's a really good question because it resists an easy answer. Yeah. So, you know, everything I've been saying, I've been saying for 15 years, I could kind of rattle yeah. it off. I want to think about this one and try yeah. to answer it appropriately. I think when you're in the self-help business, you have to do two things simultaneously that sound like they contradict each other. You've heard the idea, the ability to hold two contradictory ideas yes. in your head at the same time. So one of them is the ability to look in the mirror, uh, take responsibility, uh, and own your piece in how you're the common denominator in your life. Yes. Right? One has to be able to do that or there'll never be change. Otherwise, you're just assigning it. Oh, it's L.A., it's Tinder, it's men. It's yeah. right, You can always blame someone else. And so, so identifying um, patterns. Perhaps. Yeah. So a piece of a piece of the puzzle that one has to own, and I'll give you I'll give you a good catchy tip for that. Um, the other piece is you gotta you gotta be kind to yourself. Yeah. Right. And sometimes we've talked about this actually in reference to, to my business personally. Yeah. And probably even in reference to your love life. Yeah. Sometimes it's circumstances that have almost nothing to do with you. Shit happens. Yes. Right. And. But it wasn't for you. If the, if if something leaves you, or if you're having a struggle. But it's, but it, that's the point. Is the last page of my book, why he disappeared, yeah. is, is essentially what the a punchline. solid title. Yeah. Well, if you want to know why he disappeared, and I could give you 133 pages of reasons why he disappeared. At the end of the day, if you didn't do anything wrong, yeah. in quotes, then it has nothing to do with you. He's just not the right guy. By virtue of the fact that he doesn't want to be your future husband, yeah. it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. If I didn't propose to my wife, yeah. right, and I, was, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and I was really agonizing about it, right, I made a choice. It turned out to be a great choice. But if I said, you know what, um, you're wonderful. We had a great 16 months together. You know, I'm just, I can't get over the fact that I'm just the world's pickiest person, so I want to date someone just like you, but five years younger, so we have time to have two kids. Uh-huh. I proposed her when she was 38. Yeah. Would that have meant that I'm a terrible person? No. Would that have meant that she did anything wrong? No. Would it have just meant that, you know, it is what it, it, is. it, it, it is what it is. The business of the isn't it. But, but, there, <laughs> but there's nothing. There's again, that's just a personal story. But there's nothing wrong necessarily. Yeah. If you've done nothing wrong, you can't beat yourself up about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we have to we have to have both of those things at the same time. Self-awareness and personal responsibility for things that we can do better, either in terms of being a, 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 a more confident, better communicator, better judgment, um, better ways of handling things in dating and relationships with men. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, we have to be kind to ourselves because sometimes we just back the wrong horse. Yes. And it doesn't work out, and there's not much to learn. Yep. Beyond okay, that happened. Next, instead of giving up on yourself, dating relationships and men and internalizing yourself as a failure when things can go wrong, but it doesn't even mean that anybody failed. Yeah. So I, I just, while it's in my head, I want to circle back to it. Uh, I, I listen to a lot of women, and they talk about how they attract the wrong kind of guys. Yes. You've heard that. Emotionally unavailable men, people that don't want to commit. What is that about? So here's The here, pattern, right? Here, But here's the shift. Yeah. You don't attract the wrong men. Right? Anybody who says they attract the wrong men is not, is not being honest with himself. Right, but it's it's the most common and easy thing in the world to say. Tell right? me. I figured this out when I was single years and years ago, and I remember telling a girlfriend about all my crazy dating stories. She's like, "Oh my God, you you really love drama. You must really <laughs> love you must really love drama." And I started to think about this. I was like, "I don't love I don't I don't love drama at all." Yeah. Right. If I were to give a man advice, <laughs> start with the happiest, sanest person you know, yeah. and work backwards from there, like just. No drama is ideal. 
but I did have a lot of crazy stories. And so I realized I wasn't attracted to drama. I put up with drama. That's different. So if I'm attracted to women, all sorts of women, if I'm attracted to a hundred women, right? The ones that make for the best stories are the drama ones. But that's not necessarily, I, I'm not like a magnet for crazy. Uh-huh. Right? I chose over and over crazy. Mm. So here's the reframe for anybody. You don't attract the wrong man. You accept the wrong man. Mm. There are other women who will date that guy who seems emotionally unavailable, and one, two dates in, they're like, hey, buddy, best of luck to you. Yeah. And there's women who double down on that guy, the guy who says, I'm not looking for anything serious right now, and she stays for a year, yeah. and then is devastated one year in when she's like, so where's this relationship going? And he says, I told you when we first met that I wasn't looking for anything yeah. serious. Right? That's not... Uh, I'm a magnet for emotionally unavailable men. It means I, I drove I drove through the yellow tape and the orange cones and I just ignored the part, right? Believe I say believe the negatives, ignore the positives. Yeah. So people who uh, put up with the wrong men, right, mm-hmm. double down on the wrong men, they're making that choice not once, they're making that choice every day. Yes. To be with the wrong men. That that is not a a, a magnet inside of you. Mm-hmm. Other people have the ability to say, next. Yeah. Right, and so let's not blame. Let's not blame the universe. Let's not blame men. That's where we take responsibility for our choices. Yeah, I think our the spiritual stuff can kind of you know, and I love spirituality, but I I think it can get kind of messy because sometimes the mindset of spirituality is that you know you do the work to ascend, and you're going to be better if it's difficult, and through the struggle you're going to be greater. There's some of that. There's also law of attraction, and what you're putting out there is creating it, or hold a vision of this person changing. But, I will, I will uh, mostly bite my lip on that. Yeah, but, I know, uh, I know. But, well, but, you know. No, but I, I think that the, the value of the law of attraction in, in relation to dating is this. If uh, thinking positive um, makes you a happier, more pleasant person to be around, it can only positively impact the way you relate to other people. Yes, Yes. So it, it, I, I, I don't necessarily believe the universe has a plan for your love life, but I do believe that certainly both men and women like hang, hanging out with happy, optimistic, positive people. Yes. So so that in that regard, I think it works. And kind of going back what we talked about, just to, for everybody who's listening, because I asked you, how do you figure out fear versus instinct? And I think what, you, what I gathered from what you said was it's about patterns. It's about noticing, like, does this keep happening to me? Because then you're your common denominator. So I think anybody who's listening, maybe you want to examine your past five relationships or, or even the relationship you're in. And is there a pattern that keeps coming up in that relationship that you're the common denominator? Um, and then secondly, just on, well, do you have anything to say about that? No, it's good. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking of an exercise that I have in my Love You course that does that, 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 does that very thing oh, where you have to, you know, you, you reframe your past, you let go of your limiting beliefs about love. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big obstacle for people. You, people. People believe there's no good men out there or men are only after one thing or uh, there's something wrong with me or online dating is the worst. No, you know, married people are, are, are actually really mis- miserable and I don't want to be one of them because yeah. my parents were miserable. I had a bad marriage. And so we have all these, these stories that have a basis in truth and they're par- partially true, but they're not totally true. Yeah. Right. And so we have to, we have to carve ourselves. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. It doesn't matter if the rest of the world is 
hooking up and miserable on Tinder or is suffering through a bad marriage. We have choices to do better. You can get everything that you want. That's not fantasy land. Yes. Right? And it's also about just paying attention to the meaning that you're making of your experiences. I mean, so many people, they date one awful guy and they make an entire meeting about the entire gender. And it's like... I say you have a bad meal, you don't go on a hunger strike. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. That's great. I'm going to use that. Um, but back to instinct, I've, I've done some study on this and um, I love what you said about, you know, red flags and you didn't list off a bunch of red flags like religiously incompatible and politics, but instead you just said it's your gut. And in the Buddhist tradition, I read that they think your, your soulmate or your right person um, isn't going to give you butterflies, they're going to feel like ease. And I think that that's very validating to hear. Yeah, I really love that. And I, I think that it comes down to patterns as well. It's like, do people always find themselves in situations without ease? Kind of like what you're saying. You, you kept having drama. What was that about? I used to, I used you accepted to, that. I use all these metaphors that overlap and may contradict each other. But I like, I like the Cinderella slipper metaphor. You put your foot in the shoe. Either fits or it doesn't fit. Yeah. Right. If it fits, it's perfect. That's 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 it. You're happy for the rest of your life. If it doesn't fit, you don't spend two years trying to jam your foot in the shoe. Yes. And you don't get angry at your foot, and you don't give up on shoes. Yeah. You just keep on trying on shoes until one fits perfectly. Yeah. And that's to me what a good relationship is. It's a perfect fit. It may or may not be the most expensive shoe, the most gorgeous shoe. It's just the one that fits right. And we're often loath to to want to embrace that philosophy because no one wants to ever acknowledge that there's any compromises when it comes to love. Mm. People, the, the concept of com compromise is so anathema um, that you, you get your head bit off for even suggesting it. Yeah. For suggesting that my wife compromised to be with me or that I compromised to be with her. It, it's like it's an insult. But it's not. It, it's like if we're going to be part of the reality-based community, we have to be able to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Right. My, my wife dated a six foot seven guy before me. I'm five nine. If she wanted tall, she struck out. Yeah. I'd like to think she got some other qualities. Yeah. She totally did. Well, and, and kind of going back to instinct, I think what I found for me in personal development is that it's it's not a fear based whisper inside of you. It's not trying to scare you. Usually, I think instinct sounds a little more like this is right or this is wrong. This feels good. This feels bad. It's really quite. I, I think of the I think of the lack of anxiety. Yeah. I think you don't always know when someone's right, but I think you do know when something's wrong, and you have to listen to that. And a lot of anxiety is such a messenger for that. When there's an incongruence, your body is just putting it straight at you. Yes. Yes. So I think people who are expecting something written across the stars or light bulbs over your head and butterfly feeling are good are using the wrong metric because butterflies are not a great in indicator of the future. So I don't think you know when someone's right because that's a, that's a choice. Um, but I do think that there's many versions of knowing someone is wrong for you and ignoring them because you're you're afraid to admit that yeah we got to start so we got to start all over. Um, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to cut their losses and go to the back of the line again. And, yeah. You know. And so people double down. People double down on bad relationships. Yes. Yes. And is there really such a thing as starting over? Because you're always ahead. You're always learning, and I think growing. Hopefully, where you're not in the same place. Hopefully, every relationship is a growing experience where you you learn what works for you. Uh, relationships are a mirror, so you can't escape yourself. Uh, your other person is gonna, your your partner is going to deal with the worst of you, and you're going to see it reflected back at you, and you got to take stock of that. Yeah, that's killer. All right. So, 
ultimately, I think what, what people need more than anything, and it's, again, it's another underestimated thing, like the same as uh, you know being sensitive to each other's emotional cues, um, is being accepted for all that you are. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times that I I was I loved someone who said, Evan, I love you, but you have to change this, 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 and this. Yeah. And uh, it, it was it was a non-starter. And again, it's not that their criticisms were wrong. It's that the person I end up marrying knows those things but doesn't harp on them. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a ta- it's a tacit acceptance yes. of, of someone instead of constantly trying to mold that person into being the person you want him to be. If your guy is not ambitious and you're ambitious, that's fine. Yeah. It's like you can't you can't constantly get on the case to get a better job. And if you are upset about that, then maybe it's just not the person for you. It may not be the person for you, but you also might be barking up the wrong tree. Yes. This is again an, another core concept that, that people tend to find challenging. It's, it's probably useful when we're talking about love and money. Um, the freedom of having money is that you don't need to date money. That's yes. a thing that men figured out a very long time ago. Yes. Rupert Mur- Murdoch isn't like, I need another billionaire. Yeah. He says, no, I need someone who's 30 years younger and blonde. Huh? Right. That, 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 that's, that's what works for him. Yeah. Right. But he certainly doesn't need him, the, the female version of him. Yeah. And so a lot of women box themselves in by saying, I make $300,000. I need a man who makes $301,000. And you don't. Just like a man who makes three hundred thousand dollars doesn't have any trouble m- marrying a high school English teacher, yeah. who makes fifty grand and gets off at four and has a pension, and together they make three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, money is right? a real topic. And but 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 gender becomes you know if we're if we're really equal, we have to kind of we have to kind of throw out some, some of the old stuff instead of keeping it, mm-hmm. and that's that's hard because no one wants to let go of the old stuff. Yeah, women women rightfully are. Equal, equal opportunity, education, right? uh, that, that, you know, we're, we're, we're not there, but we're, we're, we're hopefully getting closer and closer and closer to that. Yeah. So the burden of that is that the gender roles get blurrier. So women are, are more traditionally masculine and men are more traditionally feminine, passive. Oh, what do you want to do? Right? Where the guy used to take the lead, make yeah. plans, do stuff. Right? You got guys like, hey, do you want to come over and hang out? Yeah. Got a lot of passive guys now, and it, 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 these are some sort of societal shifts. And you got women who are just like, here's what we're going to do. I made plans for us and reservations on Saturday, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then women, Do-de-do. And then women are complaining that they're not attracted to the guy. Yeah. But if the guy made plans, she'd be like, why'd you make plans there? Like, why didn't you ask me first? So we've, we've talked about this before the podcast. You've got two people sitting in the driver's seat. Yeah. Right? Someone has to be patient enough to ride shotgun. And it doesn't matter if it's the man or the woman. You just can't constantly battle for control, and that's why it's another factor in compatibility. Who's the type A and who's the type B? Who's the aggressive one and the opinionated one? Who's the one who's going to say, yes, dear, yes. and just is more, more likely to want to get along? Yeah. Because if you have two, two, two type A's, it may be really attractive and hot, but it's, it's, it's bound to cause a lot of friction. Yeah, I get that. And I, I also, just listening to you, I think that maybe somebody's listening to their gut right now and they're thinking, okay, my gut's telling me this isn't right, that this just doesn't feel right. Usually. How do you get the confidence to walk away? What, how, is there some way that you recommend someone thinks about it or approaches it? Because it can be scary and it, totally. and it totally dismantles your life when you build something with somebody or... I have a whole program around this. It's called, yeah, perfect. It's called, it's called Believe in Love. Okay. Right. Um, it's when you feel like whatever you've done isn't work, you don't trust your own judgment, you don't believe that anything good is possible for you in the realm of dating and relationships. So there's plenty written about that. I don't want to go too deep into it. But one of the things that I find valuable is 
is logic. And again, logic always loses to emotion, but I can't get away from it. Every second you're with the wrong man is a second you're not looking for the right man. Yeah. Period. Yes. So if this guy is not your future husband because you don't feel safe, he's not commitment-oriented, you don't respect him, you don't trust him, he doesn't turn you on, whatever it is, if, if this is fundamentally a dead end, every second you're there, you're depriving yourself of the opportunity to find the guy that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Yep. That is some serious opportunity cost. Yeah. And if there's one thing I accidentally did right in all the years I was single is that I always got that principle. I, there are people who had three years, my wife, three years, seven years of different guys. Maybe like one month next, three months next. She's not going to be my wife next. It sounds really like cold. No, it's just effective. It's, it's not honoring. No, it's just, I don't see the point. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to her. Yep. Right. So it's uh, the metaphor in believe in love. It's like, it's like, it's like poker. You don't, you don't have a hand that's worth playing? Fold. Yeah. Keep, you keep folding hands quickly, right? Until you have one that's worth playing. If you don't have a hand worth playing, why are you going all in on it? Yeah. Why are you doubling down? Why even get engaged to a guy where if you got a ring on your finger, he hasn't made you happy for the greater part of a year and a half? Yep. So I, I, I don't think any of this is easy. Yeah. Um, I do think that the, it's like a fork in the road. Double down on a mistake yeah. <laughs> or get out and start over with the possibility of anything happening yes. is better than doubling down on a mistake. And I think a lot of this comes down to a woman or a man or anyone just thinking about the beliefs that they're buying into that keeps them there. Because um, a lot of the times we're in a space of scarcity where we just think like there can't possibly be somebody better than this. And even though it sucks, I like my flavor of suckiness and, you know, why go out and have the same thing? So I think when somebody feels this instinct, maybe it's, it's helpful to consider just writing down like, what are you believing about this that's keeping you in it if you're not happy? Yeah, there's a lot of, and I brought it up earlier, uh, the concept of treating a guy like he's the last man on earth. Yes. When he's not remotely the last man on earth. And you can do better. If you're unhappy, you can do better. Having nobody is better than having someone who makes you unhappy. Uh, a relationship is a cup that should be constantly filled. And if you have a person who's draining you, it's yes. sucking your energy away. Going home is stressful. Yes. Right. Having conversations is stressful rather than fun. It's defeating the purpose of the relationship. It's not just to have someone. It should be have someone who lifts you. When I have a hard day at work, I get out and I'm like, Hey, it's my wife and kids. Everything's really great. Like, yeah. Whatever happened in the office doesn't matter. This is always great. Yes, that's so nice to hear. And, you know, you've mentioned a lot of books, a lot of content. Like, what book that you've written or what content have you created or a course that you would just outright just recommend someone pick up right now if they're struggling with this? like asking an artist their influence. Exactly. So like, I mean, I, I have a bibliography on my Go. website. No, I'm saying I could recommend so many things yes. that have uh, informed or reinforced the things that I try to share. And for me, my signature course, the everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men in one place is called Love You. Uh-huh. And it's a... You like university, yes, everybody. Yes, love, yeah, the letter, the you. letter U. And it's a... We'll provide the link. Yeah, it's, just like, it's like a half hour of video and an exercise and transcripts and audio and Every week, we walk you through chronologically everything that you need to know. The first month is on uh, confidence. Second month is on meeting men. Third month is on dating, understanding men, relationships, commitment. So you go through that, and it meets you almost exactly where you're at. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the neatest thing about the course. I tried to make it shorter. People love really short, quick fixes, but the truth is, it's a process. 
And you don't start on day one talking about compatibility because you're starting as a single person. Yeah. Right. And so that's the consolidation of, of everything that I've learned in 15 years of doing this. And that, you know, that's the, that's the most comprehensive thing that I, that I could offer that uh, addresses all of these influences and cites other books. I got permission from authors to mention their books and use their exercises in there. And um, I'm, su I'm super proud of it. And, it, and it's, it, it makes a big difference in women's lives because it's, it's like taking a college class. It's getting a master's degree in men. Yes. And you never unlearn. Once you know that, you never unlearn it. It's, yeah. it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's like um, Eckhart Tolle says, once you wake up, you can't go back to sleep. So same. Which, which one of his books said that? New Earth. Okay. Yeah. Great book. Um, another thing, I, I know you've given so much advice, but if there's just one thing that women could do after listening to this right now, to really improve their connections, their love life. What's your favorite, most impactful thing you could share? Oh gosh. I know. One thing that I could tell women to improve their love life. There, there's different advice if you're single and there's different advice if you're taken. Yeah. Um, okay, so maybe one for our single ladies and one for our taken Sure. Um, if you're single, Take action. Great. Um, I I've pulled my mailing list. I have a pretty big mailing list, and uh, at any given time, 20% are in relationships, 40% are dating, and 40% are doing nothing. Wow. They're taking a break in finger quotes, and then you know a, a guiatus. Uh huh. Guiatus. <laughs> my, my sister coined that. Out, <laughs> right. But that's a lot of people who are licking their wounds and healing and studying and focusing on their work or their travel or their yoga practice and what they're not doing is looking for love and, and objectively it is easier to find love now than it will be in one year and it will be in five years and that's 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 just the way it works mm. you're, you're, you never have more power than you do in this very moment yes and so I, I there's a lot of people who read and study of people who are on my list for years and years and years, never bought a product, never got any coaching. God bless them. The difference is taking action. So it's, hey, it's, it's New Year's Eve and my resolution is to lose 10 pounds. Get your ass to the gym, get yourself a personal trainer, take it seriously. Yeah. Don't just read, you know, women's health and the six tips on, on abs. Right. I think that that's going to do the difference. Well, so what, what would you say are a few really good ways for a single woman to take action? Oh, I mean, uh, I'm even, it, it's more self-aggrandizing than I want it to, to be. Yeah. Go, go to evanmarquettes.com. Give me your email address. I will send you. Yes, you will. I will send you free dating and relationship. Guys, everything. you got badass content. It's like so good. Like 1,400 blog posts and 100 yeah. podcasts and it, it, like more than more than you need. So yeah. do something. Their cup runneth over. Yes. Do some do something <laughs> in, in, empowering and proactive, right? Instead of waiting, right? The, the the myth that love happens when you least expect it. It does not any more than. A new job happens when you least expect it, yeah. right? Oh, a recruiter's going to fall through the, the chimney. Yeah. No, you got to go and make that happen. And yeah. I think people take a very passive approach based on wishful thinking and fear and Hollywood, whatever it is that, you know, you know, I, I may only go on one date this year, but it'll be with a cute guy that I met in real life, and I'm not going to go online. I'm not going to redo my profile. I have that friend, and I'm like, oh, girl, it's going to take you I just so don't long. Believe, I just don't believe in passive approaches to anything. Me neither. Right? Yeah, you, so, you want to create your life by design and not yes. by default. Yeah. So, um, so for, right? for single people, do something. Yeah. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be with me. Just yeah. do something. Yeah. Um, and for people who are in a relationship, 
this is a you know how women uh, talk about their ideal guy yeah and it usually comes out you can have a dozen different women in a dozen different cultures and you're always going to end up with the nice guy with edge yeah that's pretty much like sort of the standard bear for what women are looking for I call him the nice guy with balls right. I think women should be the cool girl with boundaries cool right. and it, it's a it, again it's a it's a it's a concept that people tend to misinterpret, and that's why, it's, that's why I want to spend just a half a second on yeah, it before yeah. we close. Um, you but, and I don't spend a half a second on anything, okay. Evan. But you know the, the nice guy with balls, he's, you know, everybody, you know, like there's the bad boy who's really attractive, but he's a jerk, he's selfish, he doesn't care about your needs, he's not sensitive to you, you're attracted to him despite the fact that he's not very good to you. And there's the nice guy who has virtually no opinions, doesn't stand up for himself, doesn't lead, lead a life with Have passion. that one. Right. Puts you up on a pedestal. Yep. Right. And there's no attraction or respect for that guy. Yes. So the answer is between those guys. Right? People think it's, it's an either or. Oh, there's only jerks or there's only boring guys. And so interesting belief. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, 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 you keep on dating until you find the guy in the middle. That's where the seven chemistry comes from. Yeah. The guy in the middle. Yeah. There's a similar thing for women. Where um, uh, great relationships are about giving the other partner what they need. Yeah. Right. It can't just be about what you want. Most of us don't take too much time. Men certainly don't take any time to think about what women need. Women don't spend much time thinking about what men need either. They're more curious about what makes men tick, to be fair. That's why I give advice to women, not men. Men are pretty useless in that regard. Yeah. Right, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but, 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 but paying attention to what my partner needs yeah. and being a yes person in a relationship is so very powerful. And sometimes we, we, we get into the idea of having boundaries. I've had guys... Uh, you know, steamroll me before I've been the doormat, so that's never happening again. You set boundaries and you say no to a lot of things, and suddenly everything in the relationship becomes a fight. So I, I think of, of the relationship I have with my wife, and we're like a 95%, 96%, 7 yes couple. Yeah. Right? Everything is yes. My wife is like, hey, um, you know, can I go to the Four Seasons for a day by myself without you and the kids? And I was yes. like, I was like, I'm not going to enjoy that very much, but okay, sure. Yeah. You're like, and, and I was like, hey, I know I, I, we haven't spent much time together this week, but I got invited to go to this poker game, and I really want to get to know these guys. And then I'm, I got plans with Aaron on Sunday night because we haven't seen each other in a while. Said, yes. So it's just uh, there's there's tons of freedom within the relationship, um, and acceptance within the the relationship, but where people can get their needs met. And what most men never ever get from from women, even great women is that feeling of being accepted and embraced. It's always, again, the stereotype of you're great, but you, know, you need to change this and this and this. You need, to, you need to lose weight, you need to do this. And so there's this constant uh, nitpicking at men's flaws instead of just embracing him for all that he is and really accept, appreciate, admire. Right? And you're the only relationship he gets that from. He doesn't get it from his guy friends, they cut him down. He doesn't get it from work, work doesn't work like that. The only place he can get acceptance, appreciation, and admiration is from you. So if you want to really be a great girlfriend and wife, accept, appreciate, admire, and say yes. And the more you do that, and, you know, and I have women be like, oh, so I'm just supposed to be nicer to some jerk off? Uh, no, if he's a jerk off, you shouldn't no, date don't him. Don't date him, yeah. For a good guy. Yeah. You want to make the relationship better? Be a better girlfriend, you will get a better man in return. Yes. Right? The rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. And too many people kind of keep score and focus on their partner's flaws. Yeah. And I'm saying shift that to focus on what's great about him. Make him feel better 
about my wife write, wrote me a Valentine's Day card and thank I, I get teary eyed talking about my wife, but it's always, you know, you're 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 my hero, you've given me this life that I couldn't have imagined as a little girl. Who wouldn't want to hear that? Yeah. Yeah. She's an amazing woman, your wife. Every time you talk about her, I'm like, who is this magic but she, fairy but, but she gets floating it. around the planet? But she gets it. Yeah. So I will do anything for her. Yeah. Because she makes me feel that I, my efforts are appreciated. Yes. Uh, appreciation. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes I'm noticing in all relationships is making it so much about you that... You, you know, why would the other person be inspired to Nobody collaborate? thinks about that because it's too painful. Yeah. I have, I've had amazing women on the phone, and I'll say, what first phone call before we start coaching, what makes you a great girlfriend? Yep. Silence. Crickets. Yes. Never thought about it. And these, these, are, these are ostensibly good people. Just they don't define themselves. They, I'm, I'm a, a lawyer. I speak three languages. I have a second home in Aspen. What wouldn't I'm in great shape. Why, why wouldn't I? Hmm. What do you do for him? Yeah. Nothing. No. No. Really. And 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 I think well, so this is the work that we have to do. We have to. We have to. Yes, make you choose better guys who treat you better. That's that's point A is yeah. to find a better man. And when you have that better man, how are you going to show up differently? That's going to make this guy say, "I'd be crazy to ever go anywhere else." Yes. And final question, what is a question that maybe I should be asking you that I haven't got to? That's a, that's a trick question. That's, wrong. that's what happens again. when Jay Abraham is your mentor and he, and he teaches you to ask these questions. Like he's, speaking, he's, like he's speaking in traffic and conversion. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, I know he coaches Tony Robbins and Damon John and yeah. coaches me a little. And, you know, he always tells me, this is the question you need to ask people, Ashley. I, I, no questions asked. I put it on my list. Certainly greatness by association. Yeah. Um, What's a question that I would want to be asked that I don't get asked? Um, I did a podcast with a guy named A.J. Merzad who took everything in a really, really different direction. He does a podcast for coaches, like super business coach or something like that. And it, was so, it was so delightful because we didn't... We didn't focus so much on business. We didn't focus so much on love and philosophy. It was more like personal. It felt like more like a, like a conversation at a, at, a, at a bar after a late night of drinking. And I remember him asking... The best conversation. Yeah, it was, it was like something to the effect of, you know, what would you, what would you want your legacy to be or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was, just, it was just bigger and deeper. And sometimes, you know, a, a very narrow question is a good one you get ask a specific question get a specific answer yeah. but he gave me something that that was my curveball and I really got to like contemplate that and who I want to be and the values that show up in your business and your, in your life and how you treat others and so I, I feel like things get lost when you have a public image and you market and I know I've read enough about me on the internet to yeah. know how people perceive me, and I can't always control that. Yeah, I get it. But if, Preach. But if, yeah. but if, but if any, if I wanted people to really know something about me, it would be that uh, my my ethics and my moral compass is probably my greatest value. Great. That I'm very committed to doing the right thing in every situation, and not because it's popular. Um, I'm more concerned with being, as I said, a good husband and a good father than a successful business person 
and yet I'm committed to always optimizing and saying, what could I do better? Mm -hmm. My wife even said in our wedding vows, like, like I read books on how to be a better father. I read books on how to be a better husband. I like, I, if there's room for improvement, I'm always going to look for it, but that doesn't always make me the happiest person. Doesn't yeah. always make me the easiest person to be around because I'm an optimizer. Yes. Right. Um, what a beautiful thing you haven't projected that onto your wife, and that you're in such acceptance of her versus. But but that but that's 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 the internal battle. Yeah. Right. Is she's she's content. She's a satisfier. This yeah. is from Barry Schwartz's Paradox of Choice. She's she's happy with everything. She mentally lives in Disneyland. Everything's great. Good for her. I like it. Right. She's like Legos. Everything is awesome. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm wired differently, and it's a blessing. It's a curse, but. A bit of neurosis. But the but the but the core concept is I'm always going to do the right thing. I'm always going to do the ethical thing, and honesty is the core value. And so sometimes that that will come come across as tactless, and sometimes it'll come across as abrasive because I I can't tolerate lying. Yes, yeah. I, I can't do it. And when people give advice that rings untrue, that's unhealthy, I'll say something. And then I say something, and then I end up making enemies. Yeah. Like it's it's part of why again not to get too political. Why I have so much trouble with you know the current political climate. Yeah. Is you know sort of the assault on truth. Yeah. Um, I'm so committed to the truth. Well, and political I, always. But, 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 when, but when there's when there's not truth, when we can't even argue in good faith, we can't even argue about the same set of facts. Yeah. Um, it really upsets me. So I'm just really grateful that. I have an audience who's also committed to truth, and I've got a wife who's committed to truth, and we can listen to each other and have differences and respect each other. Right. Um, and I feel from that, you can do almost anything in life when you're starting with a baseline of, of integrity and truth. Then it just becomes a matter of, of, of making choices that make you happy. Yeah. But if you're not starting with that, you're starting on false premises. Yeah. And I think there's too much, there's just too much bullshit out there. Yeah. Um, and I'm. You know, I think that's why people are lonely is because they start on a premise that they're not being honest with themselves about who they are and what they want and they create a life from that and then they wake up and they're like what is this life? Yeah, they've got they've got they marry the wrong person because yeah. that person looked good on paper and they took the job that their family expected them to or the thing they were good at but it doesn't bring them any joy and you know, then there's a lot of things to un undo and tear down and uh, you know for as much as you and I have talked about you know th changes that we could respectively make in our lives I feel like I'm always kind of pointing in the right direction, and if something doesn't feel in my gut, I'm gonna I'm gonna find my way. Correct. And that's what I always try to do with clients: is yes. help use that compass that I have internally to help them choose men of kindness and consistency and integrity. Yes, thank you so much for being here. Remind everybody where they can find you. My name is Evan Mark Katz. I'm a dating coach for smart, strong, successful women. My website is www.evanmarkatz.com, and uh, Give me your email address. I will give you the world. You guys, he really will give you the world. He will blast you with only the best content. So I'm so excited for what's to come for everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so flattered to be here, uh, especially since you are great and associated with greatness. Oh. there. So I'm just reflecting on this episode with Evan Mark Katz and what a genius he is in the world of dating. I mean, there are very few dating coaches out there where I've read their advice and it just feels so much like common sense. And one of the things that really stood out to me in this conversation with him was around attraction. And he talked about, you know, what you're attracted to versus what you actually just put up with. I think that there's been 
a lot of times, especially in my world in the personal development or spiritual communities where people people will say, wow, you know, you're attracting a lot of uh, business opportunities that have this issue or wow, you're attracting a lot of men who are behaving like that. And I love the reframe that Evan Mark Katz offers here is that it's not like you're always just attracting things. What it really is, is you're putting up with them. You're willing to handle and deal with them. There are certain people in the world who just don't deal with certain things that you might be willing to deal with. And for that reason, their lives look wildly different. And this kind of brings me also to a conversation that I had with some friends the other day where we were talking about finding the right person. And throughout the conversation, a couple of my girlfriends kept saying, I just want to find the right person. And I interrupted them and I just said, you know, don't you think that it's not so much about finding the right person as it is about saying no to the wrong person? And if you really think about this, how many people do you know in your life who are accepting mediocrity, whether it's in their career or their relationship, and that mediocrity that they're sitting in takes up a lot of their time, it takes up a lot of their energy, they're making a lot of space for it, they're allowing it in, they're welcoming it in. And because they're so occupied in the mediocrity, they don't make space for what's great and for the greatness that's available to them. And in that sense, how can they ever achieve or access greatness when they're so busy being preoccupied and committed to mediocrity? So I think that really what I got out of this conversation with Evan Mark Katz is that it's not just about what you're attracting into your life. It's about what you're willing to put up with in your life. And if you want to find the right person or the right job or the right anything, I don't think it's so much about saying you need to find the right thing. I think it's about knowing what to let go of, knowing what to say no to so that you have the spaciousness and the emotional availability and the physical av availability and the time availability for the right to come by. And in that sense, your radar is available for the right thing to come by. Um, so that really, really struck me in my conversation with him. And if you're, if you're, you know, sitting here listening to me and maybe you're thinking, well, I don't think I'm in the best relationship or I don't think I'm having, you know, the best career right now. I want to ask you what's keeping you there? What belief system are you buying into in your mind right now? What are you telling yourself that's keeping you in the job you're in or keeping you in the relationship you're in? Maybe you're in scarcity. Maybe you're telling yourself there's no other jobs out there for you or there's no other relationships or, or people out there that make sense for you. Maybe you're telling yourself, you know, you're in scarcity about your age. I'm too old to start over. Or maybe you're in scarcity about you have a whole story about um, how it's too late. You know, you've you've put in too much. Or, or maybe you believe you've put in too much time. You've gone through medical school or law school. And now you just you're really using that story to keep you from making a change because you feel like you owe it to yourself to sit through something you hate only because of all the time you put into making that to getting into that destination. So. This reminds me a lot of a quote, which is that, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to the extent that you don't want to cling to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it. The only thing I don't resonate with with this quote is I don't think anything is really a mistake. I think we learn and we grow and we ascend from everything if we choose to use it as a growing tool, if we choose to step away from everything and say, what are we supposed to learn from this? But at the same time, 
you know, why are we, why are you clinging to something just because of the time you've put in to being with it? Why are you staying somewhere? Um, ask yourself, what are you believing that's keeping you there? That awareness is everything. And the second thing that I really love that um, Evan Marquez talked about, amongst many things, I mean, he's a friend and I, I find him really inspiring and insightful. Um, and we have a lot of the same quirks, so I, he's just nothing but a good time. But what I really love that he talks about is when you look at things in, in your life and you could be a partnership, it could be a job. And a lot of people, like he said, they focus too much on what's attractive versus what's important. And I think that, you know, like always, your career could be compared to your relationship. So for example, let's take relationships. You focus on what's attractive. Um, I know so many women who want to date resumes. They want to date men who have the perfect resume, but you know, at the end of the day, that resume and what that list hat, you know, is on paper might not show what's important. Are they the kind of person that's going to be honest with you? Are they going to have your back? Are they going to be helpful? Are they going to be supportive? Are they going to speak kindly to you? Um, these are the things that are in between the lines. These are the things that you learn in, in the in-between moments. And so I really learned a lot just listening to Evan Mark Katz talk about this. And I was really inspired to look at it, not just in my love life, but also in my career, because I think there's so many things and I've, I've coached countless job seekers, professional women who are trying to find their purpose, business owners who are trying to launch their business. And one thing I find is that often they are focused in their career on what's attractive versus what's actually important. Uh, and what you can do when it comes to your career, if you want to get clear on what's important, is you're going to want to start to think about what are your core values? What are your top five non-negotiable core values? Uh, we'll include the link um, in the episode notes for that for you to be able to access it. But really asking yourself, what are your core values? So that you can use those as the key ingredients because those are really the core of who you are. In my case, my core values are growth, family, balance, authenticity, uh, service. These are all key ingredients to who I am. And no matter how sexy or attractive anything looks on paper, if they don't tie into those values, I always know I'm not going to be happy with it. So. Um, I hope that this wisdom from Evan Mark Katz from me just supports you. I'd love to hear from you, and I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guests mentioned on our show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast. Also, don't forget, on the website, we've got our four free e-courses, whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to connect on next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. 
Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.